Yep, the Knicks, the Knicks are back. Lynn puts it up. Bang! Jeremy Lynn from downtown! And the Knicks take the lead! With the fourth pick in the 2015 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select Kristaps Porzingis from Leopaya, Latvia. Yes! Welcome, Neophytes, to another edition of the Dishing and Swishing podcast presented by BasketballJoe.com. My name is Joey, and with me, as always... How are you, Joe? It's Cleo. Cleo, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, kind of recovering from SantaCon a couple days ago, so that, that took a lot out mm-hmm. of me. But uh, And the Knicks lost to the Bulls as well. Uh, on my birthday, took a lot out of me, but <laughs> it's okay. We bounce back, you know. <laughs> we'll bounce back from that. <laughs> uh, nothing, nothing like a classic New York Knicks game uh, or New York Knicks thing to do than to let you down uh, on your birthday, <laughs> dude. Everything about that game, from beginning to end, was just the most frustrating freaking loss that definitely our worst loss of the year not just because it's against the worst team in the league league, but um, they had playing issues and had to fly back on the day of the game Chicago that is and we had been off since Wednesday this was Saturday Um, obviously we ended up losing 104-102 but my god I mean the Bulls are really really bad and yeah, oof, that's just that's one that's gonna well, hurt us in in a few months for sure. Right, and uh, before we we will get into that Bulls game in greater detail, uh, but just a quick overview of the week since we last podcasted, uh, the Knicks have gone two and one with home wins against the Grizzlies and the Hawks, and then as you mentioned, the road loss to the Bulls. But first, let's get into that Grizzlies game which was a 99-88 to 88 win for the Knicks. Uh, overall, not really a pretty game to watch. ton of turnovers on both sides. Uh, but we had a great performance from Courtney Lee. I believe it was his first time leading the team in scoring and a strong effort from the bench. And, uh, you know, Memphis was obviously without Mike Conley. But, Cleo, tell me more about what you were seeing in the, in the Memphis game. Yeah, you know, it was a... It was kind of a, a tough game to watch for both teams. It's just really ugly basketball. Memphis loves to slow the pace down, so they weren't getting up and down much. Um, the Knicks really came out flat defensively in the first quarter, I felt, and were letting Memphis get some easy buckets, um, particularly uh, in and around the paint. Um, but... Overall, I mean, I thought the team played pretty pretty solidly. Um, the catalyst for the offense pretty much the whole game was Courtney Lee. Um, and he was our most important player on the floor for, for a lot of stretches. It felt like even when the offense wasn't... Because he's not a guy that you need to build the offense around. Um, but he's like can be a very, very important supplemental piece that can take the pressure off of, you know, KP and and the rest of the guys when, when Timmy's not playing. So I thought he was absolutely terrific. Um, and then Jack, Jack was had, had a really, really nice, smooth game. The stats aren't eye-popping, but he really helped the offense run, didn't force anything. And he's been playing very good basketball as of late. Um, and then the usual, like, gritty minutes from Canner, um, good defense from, from Lance who led the team in plus minus at plus 26 um, Mr. Plus Minus Mr. Plus Minus Add it again. A, a term coined on the pod <laughs> and then your boy Medicinal Mike Michael Beasley with um, cool bees. kind of like I felt like Hornacek played him perfect amount where like we you know mm-hmm. we weren't too reliant and once we got like enough good minutes out of him it was like alright all right, Bees is done <laughs> nothing nothing good that's enough out of you it's like, yeah. uh, my mom <laughs> used to say nothing good happens after 2am you know there's a Jalen Rose uh, saying don't chase the night um, mm. with, with Beasley it's like alright it's he, he's played 15, 18 minutes. That's his curfew. Like, <laughs> nothing, nothing <laughs> Don't good chase the bees. Don't chase the bees. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what do you see out there? I thought I thought it was a pretty good good team win. I thought uh, 
I thought Frank played pretty well, too. Yeah, so a few interesting things that you mentioned, and, and the first thing I want to touch on is Lee kind of assuming Tim Hardaway's role as the number two guy in the offense. Um, you know, he's really had to step up, and it's interesting because when the Knicks first signed Hardaway, uh, Scott Perry had to reach out to Lee to be like, hey, we still want you to be a part of the team. We, we envision you playing alongside Tim because they almost seem to be redundant on paper. But when Tim is out, right. it kind of makes sense for Courtney Lee to immediately step in and fill that role as the number two guy. And to be doing it on 10 of 17 shooting and uh, 4 of 6 from 3, really efficient. And also, too, you know, you know Courtney Lee brings, at the very least, a solid defensive effort. Um, so his play was really key, and then I believe this was Lance's first start of the season. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, it's nice to have someone out there uh, who's gonna, you know, not demand the ball, you know, such as someone like Beasley who's gonna who's gonna throw up as many shots as possible. It kind of felt like a nice compliment to the to the starting lineup, at least in this game. Yeah. Um, I, but yeah. Yeah, I, he might. I feel like he started a game earlier on. It might have been like the Clippers game. Um, mm-hmm. But I no yeah I I agree I thought um, I thought the rotations were good. Listen, this is a, a shorthanded Memphis team without their best player, maybe their second best player in Conley, and they didn't have a guy from the perimeter who could kill us. And right, you know, I, I mean, who who on the floor scared you other than Gasol who had a poor shooting night? You know, like Tyreek Evans. <laughs> Tyreek Evans. Maybe if it was two thousand ten. But, um, you know, Ben Macklemore, maybe if he was wearing a Jayhawks jersey. But um, nobody on that team gave us anything to worry about. Chandler Parsons gave him some good minutes off the bench. And he's kind of that perfect, like, we've talked about it with Bellinelli and and Corver. And he's, like, the perfect mold of, like, kind of like a mobile 3-4 guy who can knock down deep jumpers who, who... Kind of kills us that type of type of player that we've we've seemed to struggle with, and he was, I thought their their most potent offense. Um, I know the stats don't look great. He only had thirteen points, but pretty efficient shooting and three of seven from deep. But this was a team that had you know limited threats offensively. I don't think that we played great. I thought our defense was good enough, and their offense was bad enough that. Um, the stats look really good for us, so that's good. But um, I thought we played we played solidly. Um, and the, the big the big thing was even um, you know even with an off night from our bench, which has sort of been something that we haven't been able to get past in in previous games. Our our starters were able to carry us for the most part. So. Um, I, th- I thought that was right. that was a nice thing, but yeah, I mean, I, w- w- did you have a similar vibe like to after the Clipper game, even maybe after like the Miami game earlier, where it's like yeah, put away a bad this wasn't team, a, so yeah. I'd be a lot angrier if it was closer, but at the same time, it wasn't like a <laughs> it's nothing really to feel good about when you beat a eight and sixteen Memphis Grizzly team, you know. Yeah, it's the type of game where you're a lot more upset when they lose than happy when right, they win. Exactly. But I feel like you could say that about a lot of a lot of games on the schedule. Yeah. Which um, actually, I will is, say. Oh, so you go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's kind of the perfect segue to the Bulls game. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get to that Bulls game, I just want to say uh, I was very thrown to see Mario Chalmers out there. I was completely unaware where, that he was on this team. Where was and, he? Uh, Did he play pro basketball last year, or was he just working out all year? I, I really don't know. That's why it threw me to see him out there. And he had 14 points off the bench. You know, if we if we yeah. had Derrick Rose on our team this year, it would have been a guaranteed <laughs> loss, you know, after uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Kansas-Memphis college game. Who can, who can forget? Guaranteed but, missed free throws, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. But anyway, yeah, I think you summed it up best. It's uh, we got to win against a team in disarray that isn't that great, um, but nothing, nothing to be too excited about. Which leads us into the Bulls game. Uh, as mentioned before, we lost one hundred four to one hundred two. Um, KP with a, a missed wide open three to win the game after a furious comeback late. Um, 
just a really disappointing effort against the worst team in the league. And uh, I'll let you take it from here, Cleo. Yeah, no, I, I was so, so disappointed from pretty much the tip on <laughs> with how this low energy and, and uh, it, I'm not even mad at it. I thought first off uh, before we even get into us burying ourselves early and, and the low energy and whatever I, I thought that the play that uh, Jeff drew up for that final shot was brilliant Yes. That was a great inbounds play, a great pass by Doug, and, and it uh, obviously didn't fall. And we'd be having a different discussion if it did. We'd be saying, good teams went ugly, <laughs> but we shouldn't have let them hang around. But with that being a loss, it's just a disaster. I mean, it should have been a scheduled loss for Chicago, as I said. Um, nobody, nobody had it going for us um, mm-hmm. at all. Uh, with the exception of probably Frank. I mean, Frank actually looked to attack, and I remember texting you being like, he, he had a play in late in the uh, third, maybe beginning of the fourth, actually, where um, he attacked the basket and set up, I think it was Canner down low. And it was one of the first assists I've seen Frank have where he really forced the issue in and, like, attacked and made the play on his own. More often than not, he's letting kind of the defense dictate what his move is, you know, and and what his 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 playmaking is. So I thought it was it was nice to see that, and and he was able to score. I, he was probably our best player uh, in the second half. And then Courtney Lee, look at Courtney Lee was at SantaCon for for the first three quarters, and then decided to show up at the game for the fourth. Um, so that was a bit. Uh, that, that, that was the spark that we needed late, but it was it was too little too late. And I guess the last thing is, this is a Bulls team who, by the way, and, and I think we texted about this, we both were very impressed with the way Markinen played. But who, mm-hmm. what type of threats do they have on the floor? They're scoring 36 points on us in the fourth quarter. I mean, the commentators are talking about it. We needed stops. We couldn't, we, and we were trading yeah. buckets when we needed stops. I mean, how are we letting the Chicago Bulls, the 2017-18 Chicago Bulls, score 36 points in the fourth quarter in a must-win game, you know? And look, I know we haven't won on the road. We've won one game on the road all year. Right? Pitiful. I mean, Pitiful. I mean, is that, one game on the road. One and eight. And this is a scheduled win for us. And we couldn't even yeah. freaking put them away? And then not you, even You couldn't that, draw like, a better opportunity. My God, is, if there's if we can't win this game, how are we ever going to win a road game? <laughs> it's like, well, we won one. Yeah. Will, will we ever win two? I don't know. Yeah, we're win, yeah. but I mean, Jesus uh, Christ! And then, so so, just one last thing because I, I, we got to get past this game before I have a freaking heart attack. But before your inner Mike Francesa Mike, comes literally, up, literally. But we talked about. I talked about how Chandler Parsons is like that type of kind of like shooter, scorer, bench guy that has been killing us. These quick and skilled, not, I wouldn't even say quick, but these skilled fours off the bench, whether it's Sabonis, whether it's... Um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking right now, but... Marketing? No, Miritich. Miritich. Uh, Thrikola as... Uh, as Stacey King calls him, or Nico Suave, um, he is. Wow. He was. I know. I do listen to some Chicago Bulls. I think they have one of the best announcers on League Pass. I love Stacey King, but they. Um, he. I mean, he killed us. Killed us. I think he'd be. He'd be a solid piece. I, I mean. Ugh! It's like, come on. I mean, what? Yeah. How many guys like just do? Do we not read scouting reports? Is there not? I mean, there was a play in the fourth quarter when Michael Beasley had uh, was, was it Miritich in the corner or Markin in the corner? It was Miritich, Miritich in, the in the corner. He closed out on Jerry and, and Grant. Yeah, he has two guys in his zone, and Grant just bricked a three, 
and instead of like letting Grant shoot it again, he ran to him and left Miritich wide open uh, to tickle the twine on us in a, in a big three in the fourth quarter. And it really dawned on me. It was that moment when I, I think I texted you and was like, do you think Beasley has ever read a scouting report? Read a scouting, yeah. That we don't even try. We just hope that by chance he does the right thing. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was... Uh, so, it was a tough one. So he gave up that three, and we lost by two, huh? Yeah. Just shows how these little plays make all yeah, the difference. Slim but, uh, margins. Slim margins. I, I also want to touch on KP's performance, because he shot 10 for 25. He only had four boards. And we were talking about, and we're seeing teams across the league start to do this, is double-teaming KP, and him not really reacting well to it or reacting quickly to make the right play, right. and it leading to us not having uh, a really good possession on offense, us getting the right shots, and um, you know, I, I guess there are going to be those nights where, especially on the road, where Porzingis feels like he has to be uh, the guy to lead the offense and take all the shots. Maybe he learned, a, picked up a thing or two from Melo in the two Let's, years they were together. Say that. Don't say that. You know, which which yeah. frightens me. I hope not. But I think you know, you know, I, he he was chucking. Yeah. Um, he was definitely chucking. I I don't know. Maybe the the poor win loss record on the road is something in their heads, and guys are getting tense and forcing up shots late, and that's an issue. Um, the stats show an inefficient shooting night for KP. Um, the stats are kind of kind to how he played because the turnovers, the two turnovers he had, were really bad. The threes he forced and 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 field goals he forced inside were tough. He he wasn't finding guys on on when he did get doubled, um, and then you know and, and that killed us. And and as I said earlier, well, the uh, the <laughs> Miritich Portis one two punch killed us off the bench. See what I did there? That, that's that's good, <laughs> really good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. oh god, that was hard. We lost to a team where where two of the teammates literally hate each other. They literally, for those of you who don't know, got in a brawl. And if, I think if they high five each other, it's noteworthy. Yeah, so Bobby Portis oh, and Nico Suave uh, got in an altercation Nico during Suave. practice in the beginning of the year, and I think did he fracture like an orbital bone, Miritich? I think so, and yeah. so they don't speak. They're not on speaking terms. We let a team, and they're on the same bench unit. We let a team with two guys <laughs> not on speaking terms absolutely kill us. So that They're was, on high-fiving terms. They just high-five. They don't even look at each other. It's very depressing. You know, it's crazy. We, we had a very, very good night from our bench, too. We did. Um, I was just thinking that. And, very like, everyone... Slash lines are great, very efficient. Plus minus is all good. I think we have one guy in the minus, which was Dotson, who only he played the least amount of minutes anyway. But um, I thought the bench play performed really well. Um, but I mean, listen, these are games we're just gonna have to to get past and to bounce back after a bad road loss to a horrible team. Um, and then come back to the Garden where you're also playing a team that like is hard to get up for, like the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, these are the games that are vulnerable. Back end of the back-to-back, and um, and you know, to to segue into that game, we uh, we played all right. Yeah. Last thing I want to touch on with this Bulls game is uh, we lost to a team with Paul Zipser and oh, David okay. Nwaba. Fans at home, I, I urge you to Google these two and, and tell me if you know anything about them, because I certainly haven't. Um, yeah. And then the last thing I want to talk about is, uh, you know, the, the Bulls have the Lovables as, the, as their dance team. I kinda, that's kind of <laughs> great. I kind of like that, to be honest. Oh, I was, this is what I was going to say, is that um, they did a routine. So apparently it was Game of Thrones night. <laughs> And uh, I'm a fan of the show. I'm, I'm not a, a crazy fan or anything like that, yeah. but I enjoy the show. And, and they did this dance routine where they just did, like, the theme song, but it was, like, a remix, and it was just the most dramatic. It was me and my roommate both stopped what we were doing and just could not look away. It was, it was the most riveting 
Wow. Breathtaking timeout dance routine I've ever seen uh, from anyone, from, from the Laker girls, from the Knicks City dancers. No, the, lo- the Lovell Bulls have, have claimed the top wow. spot, so, so wow. got to pay respect. See, I, I, was I didn't tranced. get that. I, I, I don't get the, because uh, you have the uh, NBA League Pass feed. Since I'm in state, I get that blackout, so I didn't get the... Uh, oh, that's right. I, 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 you know, I was getting, like, crappy Bay Ridge Nissan commercials um, while you were watching The Lovable, so I'm, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I guess it's Moving not all bad news in Chicago. Moving on to, yeah, yeah. to the, the game tonight. Quick rapid reaction. Uh, yes. What do you see out there? What do you think? So it was a 111 to 107 win um, against, you know, after playing the worst team in the league. Boy, we get to avenge ourselves against the second worst team in the league. Uh, and what a break. And we, we only won by four points. So, yeah. again, it's hard to be too excited, but, you know, at least we pulled it out. And uh, what did you say earlier? Good teams went ugly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, um, all right. This one. This is a good performance from Jared Jack. Let's highlight Jared Jack. Another good performance from Jared Jack. It's two and three games. Yeah. I really, I really thought he played well. Like he, he was probably our second most important, third most important Nick on the night. Yeah. Um, and Doug McDermott with twenty-three points. Gotta shout him out. Uh, Doug with like uh, just smart play after smart play. Man, I really, really like him. He had a couple couple bad fouls if we're gonna nitpick on him. Otherwise a near perfect game. And the whole bench was terrific. Particularly a guy who in the stat sheet won't look that good, but my man, Ronnie Big Time, Ronnie Buckets, Ron Baker, uh, Ron Burgundy. Ron Burgundy was absolutely terrific. Uh, he had nine points, four assists, two steals. Was by far our most active guy on help. Um, a, a very smart defender. Made hustle play after hustle play. Saved the ball on that uh, um, re- defensive rebound in like the, I want to say last five minutes, six minutes, that, that really helped us retain possession, or, or gain possession rather. I mean, he, he had a terrific game. The shot wasn't falling. Um, it didn't matter. He didn't shoot much, but um, didn't force much. Set guys up. Looks far more comfortable controlling the rock, and he has a way tighter handle than I remember. Um, mm-hmm. And he got 31 minutes, and it was good minutes. It wasn't like, you know, Jeff just throwing him out there, oh, we got to get him some reps. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, we needed him to win this game and pull out this win. Um, and with that... And Jack said this actually when he was getting interviewed, but with that Hardaway injury, it's a next man up type of thing, and Ron was ready and played really well. Now back to Doug, because we can't we can't not uh, you know give Doug his props on the. We um, love Doug. He's like basically our favorite Nick at this point, uh, other than Kate. Yeah, <laughs> he's our favorite sure. American Nick. I think would be the uh, <laughs> <laughs> right because you know Cantor and, and Porzingis, but. Um, but I mean, Doug was really and the French Prince and the French Prince. Doug was really, really good, um, and just I think he is he has found his his kind of niche in the NBA, and is absolutely like like he's he was a fringe NBA player two years ago. Now right. I think he's carved out an, an area where he can be a contributor, a, a rotation guy for 10 more years or 8 more years. How, I don't even know how old he is, but you know what I mean, for, for a while. Um, so yeah, so yeah. before we, I make any more absurd uh, Doug comments, we should probably <laughs> move on. And I think he's got a couple MVP trophies. <laughs> no. Um, no. Uh, but, uh, no, I want to piggyback off what you're saying about Doug, uh, which is you know, in the last game against the Bulls, uh, Mike and Clyde were saying how Doug was extra motivated for the game because, you know, he used to be on the Bulls and they traded him away. And they said that his primary motivation was to show the Bulls that he was more of a well-rounded player, a good all-around player than they initially thought, not just a shooter. 
a guy that knows where to be on the floor, knows where to be on defense. And in the Bulls game, he had four assists and six boards. And uh, obviously in this in this Hawks game, he was tremendous. He didn't have any assists, but the, the point that I think we both are driving home is that Doug really is a solid all-around player and an incredibly valuable bench uh, bench player for this team and has been pretty much since since day one. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been, I mean... Obviously, Canner's kind of been the big prize in the in the Mellow deal, um, and and we'll get to Canner in a bit. Um, but but Doug, Mike, I mean, he is that is like a serious serious acquisition, and you can tell he's a good locker room guy. You can tell he's a guy who's worked hard just to stay in the league, um, and he's an easy easy guy to root for. And we said it the first episode, or I said uh, he's so clearly a coach's son. Obviously, his father coached yeah. him in his college games at Creighton, and it's just so clear. I mean, the crafty, you know, offensive moves, the backdoor cuts, the back being cuts. active on help, getting his hands up, being a hustle guy, uh, being a team first type of guy. I mean, it, it really he's a pleasure to watch. Um, and you know, it, you know, you go ahead. You, you know, what's hysterical is that. Uh, I, I think my two favorite guys off the bench are Beasley and McDermott, and they're so similar in like stature and and, and their role, but their games are just <laughs> complete opposite. Let's talk Beasley. Doug's the polished. Yeah, Beasley sure. fouled out in in uh, ten minutes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, the walking bucket. Four. He played four more minutes than Len Elmore, who has the Knicks record for the quickest foul out of all time. Uh, in six mm. minutes, which is bizarre. I mean, that, like, he fell that... <laughs> Write that down minutes. for your own challenge, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Beasley fouling out in ten minutes. I texted you and was like, this might be a blessing because I feel like he has a couple bad turnovers in him, and this was in, like, eight minutes left in the fourth. And I have a theory. I'm pretty sure that Kornichek knew he was going to foul out because he brought KP in for him and was like, Yo, we're gonna ride out Beasley <laughs> until he commits a dumb foul, and then KP's coming in. And for whatever reason, right. that's what happened. So, um, but you know, the unicorn didn't play great, but he still got to thirty. It was like a classic superstar type of game where it's like didn't have his best stuff, but he had enough stuff to to be you know a big time contributor. And we needed his points tonight. And nine of ten for the line. The the Knicks team that shot nine free throws against Chicago shot 34 free throws, they were attacking more, and I thought probably one of the biggest bright spots of the night was Frank, and I know I've been kind of hyping up McDermott and Baker and, and, you know, everyone, but but Frank, really, the stats, another example of them not totally showing how much he attacked, and I think he scored all his points in the fourth quarter, but... He's starting to take guys off the dribble. He's starting to attack the basket. He even got blocked on one play, and I was like, you know what? That was the right take. He kind of just hesitated a little a little too long. But um, he's getting to the cup a little more. He's looking for his three, which, you know, he's shown that he can knock down. I, I want him to shoot even more. Um, and I think he's starting to get more and more aggressive and comfortable. And maybe this Hardaway absence can be good for him as the team's going to need him to score in the coming games. Um, so, listen, obviously we want to blow out this Atlanta team. They're 6-20 and 20 now um, and really, really <laughs> an underwhelming 6-20. and 20. Um, But <laughs> we Is won. there an overwhelming 6-20? and 20? <laughs> uh, You know what? <laughs> no, but you know. I mean, yeah, look no, at this team. I, but here's another example. Look at Miritich, look at, you know, uh, Markinen, look at um, Sabonis. Who's the guy who killed us on Atlanta? Oh. Ilyasova. Ilyasova. It's, it's like the same type of stretch oh. four, and uh, it's frustrating. It's a great point. Seeing it happen, because you can kind of highlight the guy on, you know, on the team sheet before every game and say, all right, I know who's going to kill us tonight. I know Schroeder's going to get buckets on us because he's scoring point guard. I know Ilyasova's going to have a super ultra-efficient night and hit a bunch of threes because he's a stretch four. I, you know it going in. Um, but, yeah, and Bellinelli shot poorly, and they win this game if he hits a couple more threes. So, 
Really right. not one to feel great about, but listen, coming off of a bad loss, back in the garden, a win's a win, we'll move on and 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 look to beat uh, the Lakers on Hanukkah night on, on right. tomorrow or the next day. Yeah, and, man, it's so frustrating us getting beaten by Ilyasova and Miritich because those are just two guys whose games I hate and I really don't think they're good. But, uh, you know, move, moving on, as you said, yeah. uh, we got the Lakers coming up. But I, I want to highlight uh, someone who uh, has done a really phenomenal job with this Knicks team. Uh, it's that, that'd be Scott Perry, the new general manager. He's done a really fantastic job finding guys pretty much on minimum deals who have stepped in and had a huge impact. Jared Jack, Michael Beasley, um, you know, picking, uh, picking up even Ramon Sessions, I, he hasn't had a huge impact, but all these guys, they cost us nothing. And then, obviously, the way he handled the mellow situation, you know, Phil was willing to buy him out for nothing, and then Scott Perry comes in and says, look, uh, we know Mello's a professional, and he'll be here if he has to. And uh, I think the day after Scott Perry said that publicly, uh, Mello came out and said, oh, I'm, I'm willing to go to a few more teams now. And then I think a few days after that, the trade was done. So um, you know, for the first time in years, uh, we have someone running the show that I think we can have confidence in. And there was an interview with him. I'm not sure if it was, I think it was during the Bulls game, uh, where they asked him, Scott, do you think it's better for the long-term future of the team if the Knicks win more or lose more now, which, you know, is kind of a stupid, loaded question about tanking and whatnot, but Scott gave the best answer you would hope for, which is that we want this team to win. We want to build a winning culture. We want our guys to get playoff experience, and we, we feel like if we if we commit ourselves to that attitude and that mindset, then good things will happen for this franchise. So uh, tell, me, tell me some of your thoughts on, on Perry's performance. No, I, you know what, I... I I, I agree with literally everything you said, and, and I think that um, I, I agree. I couldn't. I, I, I don't even want to expand on it because I, I think you're absolutely right. He's done an excellent job. He came in with kind of I don't want to say a shit hand, but you know, his, his, it was an awkward situation with Melo. It really was, and and he turned him into you know a, a star that was on the way out into a uh, into two valuable assets so I absolutely could not agree more I think he's been terrific and and um, I have confidence in him going forward right and and I think it leads us to an interesting broader question which is that you know the Knicks I think most people would say that we probably lost the trade with Melo uh, similarly the Indiana Pacers I think most people would say they lost or they were getting killed for the Paul George trade and the same thing with the Bulls and Jimmy Butler. Now, the Bulls haven't been good this year, but, you know, you kind of have to wait and see because I think most of these trades, people would have a far, far different perspective on them if you ask them now versus when you ask them when the trades happened, you know? Yeah, I mean, even, like, Chris Dunn's been a surprise for Chicago. And I, I, if you look at the the Paul George trade, there is no clear winner there. Um, right. You look at the Cantor Mello trade. There's no clear winner there, um, and that one's obviously has more baggage. There's like you know deeper issues there because Mello is unhappy here and the culture, you know that. So that, but that one's like it's a tough to say who's the winner there. I think the Minnesota trade, they probably got away with the with the win, but just watching the way that Markinen has flourished, it's like it, you know. Maybe in the long run, Maybe. with the timetables and whatnot, it was the right move. And, and you're so right. And that's why we don't judge trades based on what the pundits say is the, you know, who won and, and based on what happens one year after, one month after. It's like it's going to be a while before we see who won these. And, and it's, it is an interesting, interesting thing. And, and it, it's brought up like a broader thing, which is... And, and it's something that I think of with Cantor a lot. And, and with Doug, it's like there's a lot of talented, talented players in the NBA. And so much of flourishing in the league is circumstances. And so when you make a trade and you receive two assets for one, even if that asset's Carmelo Anthony or Paul George, you know, someone terrific, 
you know, you're giving yourself a chance to have one of those two guys or both of those two guys really develop and, and grow into, you know, a bigger role and, and have a chance and increase your depth. And, and so these trades, when you're looking and, and on paper, you're like, oh, they got Cantor for Mello. Like, that's the biggest, that's the best player they got in the trade. That You know, it's like, well, it, they, they increase their depth. You know, they, they're looking... Uh, stronger down low, it, it, it's so hard to hard to kind of score it right off the bat, and and so that's what we're seeing, and, and it's uh, it's exciting for the league because now you have a team like Indiana putting a, a fun product down on the floor instead of having just like an angry star <laughs> chucking up forty shots right, a game. Exactly. It's like now you have like this team with an identity. They're running. They're like the quickest guards in the league. You know, it's like. Same with the Knicks. Like, oh, now they've got, like, some bullies in the, in the low post. And, you know, it's like, it, it's kind of turned, uh, turned some sour situations into, into some, some, some good fun ones. So, yeah, I mean. Yeah. And I, I think it's really, obviously it goes without saying, but for some reason we always kind of fool ourselves when, when these trades happen, which is that basketball is not made up of a collection of individuals. It's made up of a team, you know. And so it's very easy to look on paper and be like the, the Thunder of Westbrook plus Paul George plus Carmelo. Let me add up all their 2K ratings, and that blows everyone else away. Right. But it, it's right. really, yeah. it's not like you're not just adding up a lump sum of 2K ratings. You're you're more creating a stew. I think you came up with this analogy, and, I, and I'm stealing it from you. But it's like when you add the different ingredients, the stew tastes different, you know? Right. And so even even if it, the stew has got some great ingredients, if they don't go together... Right. And then your pro your stew doesn't taste good. So, um, and and that's something that we need to remind ourselves, especially when as Nick fans we deal with getting killed by the media all the time. Right. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta say, you know, you, you gotta ignore that Stephen A. Smith screaming every now and then. You know. Yeah. No. And, I, I uh, agree. I agree. And I think that leads to a perfect segue for a couple mailbag questions. Uh, these coming from Jerry in L.A., uh, also known as my dad. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so his first question is if the Knicks make the playoffs does Phil Jackson deserve any credit yeah uh, he does because he's responsible for us getting Chris Depps Przingis who is would be the reason we make the playoffs having said that uh, I mean the guy tried to trade him so <laughs> it's like it's so strange. It's such a strange, like, balance between, like, yeah, he drafted the guy, but, you know, <laughs> two years in, did he even know what he had, right? Like, it's, it's like... Right. Um, but, I, no, I think he does. I, I, don't, I, think, I think he deserves some credit. Um, I mean, Perry, for what he's done and, and the pieces he's gotten and... and but before we move on, before I even forget about this, is that Cantor was playing hurt tonight and didn't have a didn't have a good game. But he's mm-hmm. playing. Apparently, he was on crutches after the game yesterday, uh, and uh, suited up and played tonight. And that is like, just and as a teammate, as as someone seeing him do that. I mean, you, can you imagine how good that is for just the culture and the environment? And that that is. Helping this team win games, care about each other, like kind of give a crap um, in in ways that you know you gotta say or <laughs> Scott Barry is responsible for. Um, what do you think? Yeah, so you can't discount. You, you, K, no, KP was not like the consensus pick at number four. I wanted Moutier. Right. <laughs> like right. If I'm being honest, I wanted Moutier. I thought he was gonna be John Wall. Right. No, so I agree. Phil does deserve credit. Um, his tenure was such a mixed bag, though. Do you remember when he said that uh, about KP's game, that uh, you know he shouldn't shoot so many threes because it's, quote, a cheap way to get points? <laughs> Just so absurd. But um, A cheap way that pays out better I, than the other way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we Phil gets killed, obviously, for the Noah contract, but... I want to highlight all the guys that he is responsible for bringing to this team, which would be KP. Uh, he brought in Lance Thomas, I believe it was in uh, the J.R. Smith Iman Shumpert trade, if I'm not mistaken, or 
Or no, he can't. Yeah, that was the three-way trade. We got him from Oklahoma City, I believe. So he's responsible for Thomas. He's responsible for signing Courtney Lee, who uh, you know wasn't really a big factor last year, but obviously has been really strong this year. He's responsible for bringing in Kyle O'Quinn. He's responsible for Frank. And he's responsible for Ron Baker. And he's responsible for Willie Hernan Gomez. So that, that's most of the roster. And, uh, you know, the, the Noah signing, you know, is obviously going to hamper us for the foreseeable future. And the way that he left was just so awful and alienating KP. But um, this team still does resemble a lot of Phil's image, you know. We're not running the triangle, thank God, but Phil absolutely does deserve oh, more yeah. credit than he would probably ever get um, for this, if this team makes the playoffs, but ultimately it's not about this year, you know. It's really whether we make the playoffs or not. We want to, we want this team to make the playoffs, but I think we both are aware that when we're losing road games to Chicago, it's going to be tight. It's going to be really close whether we make the playoffs or not. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I absolutely agree. Um, it is really weird to think about, though. Right. Just, it is. It's such a, <laughs> such a, such a strange uh, tenure he had in New York. Right. And uh, that leads me to the second question from Jerry. <laughs> this is not Nick's related, so uh, prepare yourself. Uh, does Kyrie really believe that the Earth is flat? Nah, I doubt it. <laughs> you can't possibly, right? I don't know. He's stuck with it for a long time. I can't imagine. And he's like trying to convince other dudes. It's like who was it that like said, Kyrie "Oh, Kyrie's onto something"? I don't know. I don't think. I think Kyrie's problem is he's only using ten percent of his brain. He's not. He's he not using that extra that <laughs> that eleven percent. You know what I mean? No. Right. I, I, that was a that was a Michael Beasley joke for those of you. Who, yeah, he needs to see Doctor um, Beasley, the neuroscientist. No, I I can't imagine. <laughs> There's no way, right? I mean, how bad could the could the New Jersey public school system be? I don't know. I mean, I know we I, to, I, really... I know he finished at Catholic school, but. And then, I mean, Duke, I, he's been surrounded by smart I, people his whole life. You, you gotta hope that. But, th- but think of it this way. The fact that we even have to ask the question, and we're actually, I think there's some disagreement, I think he believes it. You know, and, and even if he doesn't, the fact that's gone as far as is telling. I don't know. It's he's, crazy. Even his so dad's a smart dude. His dad went to BU, right? Like, he's... he's it's not like he's like he like <laughs> come on. It's not like he's been self-taught his whole life. Like you know. right. I don't know. I I just I can't accept it just because he yeah. went to such and such school. Therefore, no, I, I get that. <laughs> um, but you know, he he plays in a city where the paper is called uh, the Boston Globe. Yeah, it's true. It's not called the Bay. irony is is striking. Yeah, it's not called the Boston Flat. That was dumb. Anyway, um, the Boston flat, I like that. Um, yeah, I have one it's one mailbag question. Let's hear from it. Stackhouse in Madtown. Uh, is Donovan Mitchell number two on the rookie of the year ladder? I think right now he is. Right? Gotta be right. I mean, I, Simmons shouldn't even count, honestly. But, yeah. I mean, I, he should true. obviously, but but. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I would say Mitchell's number two for sure. You, you don't drop forty and not right. Like, who who could you even make the argument for? Um, Tatum, not not long. Maybe Tatum. Tatum, I guess, would be the only um, other guy. That's the only one that comes to mind. Off I hand. think I think Mitchell's going to be terrific. I mean, he already is. But I agree, and, and it just goes to show, you know the stupidity of that question that was posed to, uh, to Scott Perry. Is it better for the Knicks to be winning or losing? What pick was Mitchell? 15. Like 14, 15, 15 yeah. 13? Yeah. So, we and we see this all the time, players that go in the middle of the first round or the end of the lottery and end up surprising people. So, Dude, look at uh, Kuzma, look at Markin, and look at all these guys who are not even remotely. It's like that NBA group think that anointed Fultz as the number one guy and everyone, you know, 
believed it, whatever. And then everyone's dismissing Chicago for draft and market, and who's terrific, by the way, is going to be an all-star. Um, you know, it's like, it's crazy. You look at it now, you're like, these people are nuts. Like, what were they thinking? But, like, right. that was, I mean, that's the common thought. And, and who knows? I mean, it's, it's, it is, you're so right. You're so, like, why, why give a crap about your pick when it doesn't, the, 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 there's not necessarily a correlation that makes you having better, you know, 5% more odds of getting this third pick than the, you know, it's like, that doesn't necessarily right. matter as much as like getting the right guys, the right attitude, the right culture. And as we said earlier, I'd take Przingis getting swept and and getting his first taste of playoff action over us getting like the tenth pick any day of the week. It's better for exactly. him. It's better for him. And I, I just want to say here on the Dishing and Swishing podcast, we rebel against NBA groupthink. <laughs> we. <laughs> That's why, that's we, why we Damian Dotson is going to be an all first team all rookie. Um, Damian Dotson is going to be MVP. And, and one Doug day. McDermott is is going to be just swimming in accolades. Um, can I just bring up something like a uh, kind of a larger point and revisit something we talked about uh, earlier, maybe Absolutely, two podcasts yeah. ago? Is we, we went into this group of it's, this this run of like easy schedule at least for NBA standards starting with the Miami game November 29th then we play Orlando, Indiana Memphis, Chicago, Atlanta now we got LA coming to the garden you, you hear about uh, Amari's lighting a celebratory uh, or a, a, a menorah before the game Stoudemire? yeah he's like leading oh, a, a Hanukkah that. prayer before the game um, that's which amazing which great December 12th and then so we're getting and then we have Philly oh, coming on the 25th, so we're, like, knocking out both the holidays, uh, two of the big ones, which is great. But, um, and then we got, sorry, <laughs> we got Brooklyn <laughs> Thursday, which is in Brooklyn. It's basically a home game. I, I count it as a home game. Obviously, the crowd will be more hostile, but, um, you know, we're, we're staying in, the players are staying at home. There's no travel. Um, and then Oklahoma City. So, it, Oklahoma City is a tricky game, but but of those eight games that we looked at, we said it would be great if we could win six of them, right? Right. And we're not, right now three and three, so that's not going to happen. But and, and we left some some wins on the table. Obviously, the Chicago one is is a big example. Indiana, Orlando. We, we, we laid down. Orlando is a tough one. OKP, no but still. You know, these are winnable games, winnable, winnable games. And when we have this run of games of OKC, Charlotte, Boston, Detroit, Philly, four in a row coming up, um, that's when we're like, damn, I really could have used one of those wins from earlier. Because this is going to be right. a tough... Well, and, and this isn't even the meat and potato. This isn't even the tough part of our schedule. That's in January. Right. And, and that's a great point. I think one thing we can hope for is that if all goes well, we'll have Tim Hardaway back by then, and so we'll stand a better chance in those tougher games, but you're absolutely right. You really cannot afford to drop games to uh, the Mighty Magic or the Lovables and, and expect to, it not to bite you. You know, it's like when we miss free throws in the game and Clyde says those will come back to haunt you. When it's you miss so these true. free games, it's, it's the same concept um, and, and play, and it's yeah. frustrating. It's like if you're a baseball fan and you're watching like a, a, a game in in the spring, you know, you know, in the beginning of the season, it's like a matinee game against Tampa Bay and you're like, ah, right, whatever, we lost, whatever. That game's just as important as that like, you know, Yankees Sox game in in September, you know, deciding the pennant. It's like the the wins matter just as much now as they will, you know, come April. It's just like right. now, you know, it, the microscope isn't isn't really on them, but we got a good we got an ESPN game coming up Tuesday, so that'll be uh, that'll be one for the for the pride at least. That'll be uh, we can push it to, to over five hundred. You want to uh, you want to hop on the uh, Amtrak and, and ride up to Westchester for a minute? Give you a quick uh, Westchester Knicks update. I would love that. Tell me about the Westchester Knicks, the so, G League affiliate. The G League affiliate, the first place Westchester Knicks in the uh, in the Atlantic oh, yeah. division of the G League. Um, so, 
I texted this to you, and, and this isn't as much a Westchester Knicks update as it is a Trey Burke update. Um, but I texted you, I think it was either before the Chicago game or prior to Jarrett Jack's run of good form, I texted you and said, I think I'm ready for the Jarrett Jack era to be over and for us to bring up Trey Burke because we know what Jack can do and and he's not like a long-term option. Not that Burke is, but but he's younger and um, and I've been very impressed watching Trey Burke. I've only watched a couple Westchester Knicks full games um, including their, their recent win, but uh, against the what, what are they called the, the Texas like defenders or something I don't know, it's a stupid name but anyway uh, Burke <laughs> Burke's averaging 25 points per game with 6 assists a game and he is uh, shooting 50% from the field 51% actually uh, 46% from 3 and 81% from the stripe and I know nobody's probably playing defense in the D-League, in the G-League, rather. That's why they changed the name. It wasn't the D-League, it was the O-League. No, um, but I know no one plays defense in it, And but he's been very, very good and has shown that he deserves another shot at the show, even if it's as a backup. I mean, you know, I know Sessions has been solid, but you can't possibly tell me that, like, that, that he brings more to the table than, than, than Burke does. Uh, he hasn't been the only guy on this team. Isaiah Hicks has played very well. Um, Nigel Hayes has shown that he's developed a, a nice stroke from deep. Um, and Luke Cornett, our buddy Spencer Rosenstein's uh, colleague from Vanderbilt, has, has played very well too. Obviously, he won't get a sniff because of our packed uh, front court, but it's been nice. It's been nice to watch it. It's kind of like watching those. Like you remember a couple years ago, we had a very fun summer league team. <laughs> That we were like, I know this doesn't correlate. You mean when, when Nate Robinson was the MVP? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking. <laughs> or when Jeremy talking. Lin tore up John Wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking more recent, like two seasons ago. But uh, uh, no, it was. Uh, I'm talking like Bill Walker era. But um, no, uh, they, they were Bill uh, Walker. Bill Walker. Didn't he change his name? Henry Walker. Hen- excuse no. me. Excuse me. <laughs> the you former Bill right. Walker. Yeah. The artist formerly known as Bill Walker. So, all right. That's a tr- good transition. Matching Bill Walker is a great transition to the Oak Challenge. Right. Well, before we get to the Oak Challenge, I just have an interesting question for you about, uh, about Trey Burke, which is that is it better for his development to replace Ramon Sessions and be at the end of the bench or for him to continue lighting up the D-League and waiting That's until he has point. more of an opportunity to play. That's a very good point. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, right now, um, just due to our, how thin we are at guard, maybe now would be a good time to come up, especially if we could figure out how to get him like a two-way contract. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, but, right. But uh, you're right. You're right. It's, you, you want the guy getting everyday cuts, you know what I mean, and, and playing big minutes, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, That that's, I think that's probably what they're thinking right now is why they're keeping him in the D-League, um, and Dots, right. Dotson's gotten some G-League, G-League, sorry, Dots, I'm going to do that the rest of the, uh, probably, he's in the, the lemon, lemon lime division. Yeah. I feel like they should all just be named after the flavors. After like, the different Gatorade flavors? Fruit Crunch oh, Division. <laughs> I would love that. The Riptide yeah. Rush Division. Um, yeah. <laughs> the Glacier Freeze the Glacier Division. Freeze. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we, we, uh, we, got some, we, got, we got some winnable games coming up. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we can uh, we beat L.A. and Brooklyn. Um, right. And I don't um, see I don't see Burke being called up for either of those games, as no. long as guys stay healthy. And I, I think we're packing like kind of a full bench anyway, with two or three guys always being scratched. So. Right. Um, well, uh, with all that said, I think now it is the time for the Oak Challenge. Cleo, are you ready? Yeah. We're throwing it back today. Oh, we're throwing it back to. 
this player played on the 0304 Knicks as well as the oh, 0405 Knicks. Okay. It's quite the jersey, jersey, quite the journeyman, and his name is Nazi Muhammad. Oh, Once God. a Nick, always a Nick. All right. Well, you know the Spurs. Spurs, correct. The Spurs, and did he play the Pistons? He did, correct. Two right off the bat. Okay. How many are there? Well, I should ask questions. Yeah. One, two, three. Five, six, seven, eight. Eight. I mean, you just got three of them. Okay, I got three of eight. He had a few repeat stints. That's why I got confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, that, that's as, as many of these NBA journeymen. Um, yeah. You play on Oklahoma City? Yes. The end of his that, was the, that was the repeat. That was the repeat. He played on them at two different times. When they're different names, or no, still the Thunder. Still it's just the thunder. one time he was number eight, and the other time he was number thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> he reinvented himself like Kobe, you know. They're yeah, two exactly. different Brand, people. They, they were two different people, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh man. Okay, so I have four more. Yeah. Chicago Bulls. That's correct. I think I got one more, but that, that I can think of. But uh, I really, after that, I think I'm guessing. Did he play for the uh, Charlotte Gerald Wallaces, <laughs> the Bobcats? <laughs> yes, that is correct. You know, fun fact. Another I team where he had uh, two separate uniforms, number uh, six and number thirteen. See, I like how he comes back. He's like, yeah, yeah this is a new era. This is a new me. Right, um, exactly. He's a guy. Like, Gerald Wallace, by the way, owns like all of the Charlotte Bobcats records. Pretty much. That's so funny. While they were named the Bobcats, because he was like the best player. He crash. That was a great Alabama. nickname. That was he was he earned that nickname. He was good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, all right. I think you got two left. Two left. I, I really genuinely. This could be know. the first ever perfect Oak Challenge. You're um, on the verge. You play in Philly? He did. Correct. All right, one more. One more. Ah, uh, jeez. Dallas. So I'll buy you some time right now. To recap, we have Philly, the Knicks, the Spurs, the Pistons, Bobcats, Thunder, and Bulls. Give me, is it Dallas? Is it what? Dallas. It is not Dallas. So oh. Strike one. I see. You know, I was thinking, yeah, Samuel Dallenbear. <laughs> like, similar, <laughs> not very mobile, big. Um, <laughs> oh, stuck geez. around five years too I ge- long. I genuinely don't know. Could you give me a conference? Could we narrow it down a little bit? Um, it's another team where we wore two separate numbers. <laughs> 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 he was number 14 and number two. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure that makes it clear. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great hint. You're on the verge of a perfect Oak Challenge. I, I can't spoil it with a hint. All right. Um, oh, God. I re- okay, so I have two two more guesses, right? Yeah, you got two. Golden State. Golden State is... Incorrect. Oh, but I had it. Um, One more. All right. Oh, Jesus. All right, we're just going to roll the dice right now. I'm pointing at a map, and whatever is the closest NBA city is going to be. Uh, how about... Okay. How about... Uh, Indiana. Oh, that's a horrible guess. <laughs> that's a uh, horrible guess. Oh, Cleo. What was it? You were so, so close. The answer we were looking for was the Atlanta Hawks. I have zero recollection of him ever wearing a Hawks <laughs> uniform. Give me, give me, how many minutes total did he play? Did he play a full year? Um, he played in the 2000, 
2001 season. Oh, he that's why. games. Because I was like seven. And the, <laughs> and, no, in the 2002 season, he played all 82. Uh, and started 73 of them. Jesus. But uh, that's throwing it way back. Yeah. Well, yeah that is, that is our most impressive. so far, that's for sure. That's the best effort for both of us on the Oak Challenge to date. Uh, but we still remain without a perfect score uh, for those of you keeping track at home. Yeah. <laughs> Nazi Muhammad, ladies and gentlemen. Nazi. Once a Nick, always a Nick. Nazi Muhammad. Now, um, Cleo, before we, we wrap up, I know you wanted to say a few things about uh, the Yankees and their recent moves. Oh. Oh. I'm right now, I'm in the uh, cautiously trying to be like trying to be cautiously optimistic not trying to be like overly cocky and whatnot but right. dude holy smokes they might have one of the best lineups in baseball history I know that's kind well, of well, absurd but you know we want these episodes to be timeless so uh, why don't we let the people know what, what you're referring to well on my birthday as a, as a gift from, from me from Brian Cashman and Derek Jeter uh, the Yankees acquired Giancarlo Stanton in a blockbuster trade for two prospects, two mid-level prospects, uh, and Starlin Castro. And the Yankees will be assuming $265 million, I want to say, of that mammoth deal, which I think is like 75% of the contract, maybe more, um, that Stanton received from Miami. Ooh. They're... they're uh, Joey, they're, Tremendous. They're, it's, this is going to be the most exciting Yankees team we've had in a very, very long time. I mean, the like the '09 team was fun and stuff, but I mean, God damn, we we we've got like Conseco McGuire circa 2017, though. <laughs> you know, like non-juiced, just straight specimen beasts. Um, so I'm really, I'm really fired up. Um, it does certainly feel like the Yankees, as the juggernaut of, of Major League Baseball, are, are back in that yeah. in that status. Be great if we could juggernaut. flip like Clint Frazier, maybe another prospect, try to get a pitcher. But as of right now, I'm not going to complain about anything. <laughs> we still right. have probably the best bullpen in baseball and the best lineup in baseball now, as long as CC's ageless body can, uh, as long as CC can stay off the sauce, I think we'll be. Uh, We'll be all right. And there you go. That was your quick uh, that was Yankees your quick, update uh, around around New York update. Uh, right. But yeah, we got such a great response from the uh, impassioned Eli Manning rant. <laughs> had to uh, had to throw it to the, to of, the Yankees. A lot of people texted me saying, "Hey man, like you okay? You, you want to talk? Like <laughs> you want me to want to like go for a walk or something, dude? Like you you want to talk to somebody? I can put you in touch with like a professional." I was like, "Dude." I, Fellas, like, am I right? I'm just a little, getting a little emotional about my quarterback. I was at the game today, by the way, freezing my ass off, watching the and, Giants. And there you go, you know, the, I, I think Giants management heard what he had to say, because uh, Eli was back under yeah. under center. The Maras, the Maras were in touch with me immediately after the pod. Big friends yeah, of the they pod. Did. Big friends of the pod. Um, well, anyway, anyway, Joe, we, so. we've, we've got a big week coming up. As we mentioned earlier, I'll, I'll say it again. We've got Tuesday versus L.A., Thursday in Brooklyn, Saturday versus Oklahoma City, uh, and then we'll try to get back at you, back to you guys Sunday. So, John, I'm looking at 2-1 and one as, as the uh, optimal, reasonable Agreed. standard. Agreed. Anything less than that would be disappointment. 3-0 and o would be nice, but, uh, you know, I... With one road game on the schedule and one game against Oklahoma City, you got to assume that the Knicks will drop the ball in one of those games, unfortunately. Right. But 2-1, two 2-1 and one, two and one should be good. And one thing I think we, we have to kind of mention right now is uh, Melo's return to the Garden and just uh, oh yes, kind of what you're, what are you expecting the response to be? What would your response be if you're in the crowd? I think I'm going to try to get to this one. I think it should be positive. Um, for better or for worse... Melo tried to be the face of the Knicks, and uh, he dealt with a lot. And uh, you know, he gets a lot of a lot of crap. This might be a subject of a longer talk in another pod, but he gets a lot of crap for forcing his way to New York and 
and uh, you know forcing or holding them hostage on the way out. But I think a lot of that is, is really overblown, and and uh, Melo did provide us with <laughs> some of the most exciting moments we've had in quite some time. I don't think Granted, either of us will ever forget know, the Easter care for the, the Easter yeah. uh, two two threes against the Bulls, but. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think he's going to be received well. I think he should be received well. And if uh, if I'm lucky enough to be in the building, I'll be giving him the standing out. Yeah, and we'll definitely uh, react on the next pod to uh, the yeah. reception and, and his performance and everything like that. Having but said that, I, I have a feeling that the uh, snarky New York faithful is going to give Ennis Cantor just an enormous, enormous round of applause in... Uh, in pre-game introductions despite, to kind despite of, Carmelo you know you know how New York is it's a tough town oh yeah it's a tough town it's a tough town well anyway that'll do it for this week's episode of the Dishing and Swishing podcast we want to thank all you listeners out there for supporting us giving us the love giving us those mailbag questions thanks dad and uh, <laughs> we'll be sure to get back to you next Sunday with another great episode take it easy Cleo alright and to our chosen followers have a happy Hanukkah yes <laughs> happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all see you uh, next week Neo Fights Dr. Joe